boys and girls, and welcome back to Storytime with me, Sammy. Today's story is full of magic and fireworks, and it's got something called the Flying Trunk. Are we ready to begin? The Flying Trunk, written by Hans Christian Andersen, but edited by me, Sammy. There was once a merchant who was so rich could have paved the whole street by his house with silver, but he did not do that, for he knew other ways to spend his money. If he spent a penny, he got back a pound. Such an excellent businessman was he, until he passed away. This meant his son inherited all of his money. He lived very merrily. He went every night to the theatre, flew paper kites made out of five pound notes and played ducks and drakes with pound coins instead of stones. His foolish behaviour meant the money was likely to soon come to an end. And so it did. At last he had nothing left but four pennies, and he had no clothes except for a pair of old slippers and an old dressing gown. His friends did not trouble themselves with him anymore. They wouldn't even walk down the street with him. But one of them, who was rather good-natured, sent him an old trunk with the message, Pack up. That was all very well, but he had no clothes or belongings to pack, so he decided he would get into the trunk himself. It was an enchanted trunk, for as soon as the lock was pressed, he could fly. He pressed it and flew up into the chimney, high into the clouds, further and further away. But whenever the bottom gave a little creak, he was terrified. The trunk would fall to pieces, and then he would have turned a dreadful somersault. Just think of it! The trunk flew into the faraway land of Sandia. He hid the trunk in the nearby woods under some dry leaves, and then walked into the town. He could do that quite easily, for all the Sandy's people were dressed just as he was, in a dressing gown and slippers. He met a nurse with a little child. Hello there, beautiful nurse, said he. What is the great castle there, close to the town, the one with the window so high up? The princess lives there, she replied. It is prophesied that she will be very unlucky in her husband, and so no one is allowed to see her except when the sultan and sultana are standing by. Thank you, said the merchant's son and he went back to the woods, sat himself in his trunk, and it flew him onto the roof. He crept through the window into the princess's room. She was lying on the sofa asleep, and was so beautiful that the young merchant wanted to kiss her. Quickly, though, upon hearing his footfalls, she woke up and was very much frightened. But he told her that he was a Sandian god, who had flown through the air to see her, and that pleased her very much. They sat close to each other, and he told her a story all about her eyes. They were beautiful dark lakes, in which her thoughts swam about like mermaids. Her forehead was a shiny mountain, grand and snowy. These were lovely stories, and they caused the princess to fall madly in love with him. He asked her to marry him, and she said yes, at once. 
but you must come here on Saturday, she said, for then the Sultan and Sultana are coming to tea with me. They will indeed be proud that I will marry the god of the Sandees. But mind you, have a really good story ready, for my parents like them immensely. My mother likes something rather moral and high-flown, and my father likes something merry to make him laugh. Yes, I shall bring a fairy story for your parents, said he. And so they parted. The princess gave him a sword set with gold pieces as a gift to him to use if he so needed. Then he flew away. He bought himself a new sandy and dressing gown and sat himself down in the woods and began to make up a story, for it had to be ready by Saturday. And that was no easy matter. By the time he was finished, the sun was rising on Saturday morning. The Sultan and Sultana and the whole court were at tea with the princess. The man arrived in his new dressing gown and was most graciously received. Will you tell us a story? said the Sultana, one that is thoughtful and instructive. But something I can laugh at, said the Sultan. Oh, certainly he replied, and began. Now listen attentively. There was once a box of matches, which lay between a fireplace and an old iron pot, and they told the story of their youth. We used to be evergreen trees, and every morning and evening we would have diamond tea, which was the dew, and the whole day long we had sunshine, and the little birds used to tell us stories. We were very rich, because the only other trees dressed in the summer. But we had green dresses in the summer and the winter. It was a joyous time, but then the woodcutter came, and our family was split up. We now have the task of making a light for the Sandese people, and that is why we are in the kitchen. My fate was quite different said the iron pot near which the matches lay. Since I came into the world, I have been many times scoured, and I have cooked much. My only pleasure is to have a good chat with my companions when I am lying nice and clean in my place after dinner. Now you are talking too fast, spluttered the fire. Yes, let us decide who is the grandest, said the matches. No, I don't like talking about myself, said the pot. Let us arrange an evening's entertainment. I will tell the story of my life on the Brant Ocean, near the mermaid shore. What a beautiful beginning, said all the plates. That is a story that will please us all. The end was just as good as the beginning, and all the plates clattered for joy. Now I will dance, said the tongs, and he danced. Oh, how high he could kick! The urn would have sung, but he had a cold, and he could not sing unless he boiled. In the window lay an old quill pen. There was nothing remarkable about her, except she'd been dipped too deeply in the ink, which gave her a fine blue glow in the moonlight, shining through the window. She was very proud of that. If the urn will not sing, said the quill, outside the door hangs a nightingale in a cage who will sing. I don't think it's proper, said the cattle, that such a bird should be heard. 
Oh, let us have some acting, said everyone. Do let us. But suddenly the door opened, and the maid came in. Everyone was quite quiet. There wasn't a sound, but the pot knew what a performance he would have given, and how grand he was. The maid took the matches and lit the fire with them. How they spluttered and flamed, to be sure. Now everyone can see, thought the match, that we are the grandest. How we sparkle! What a light! But as quickly as they were illuminated, they were burnt out. That was a delightful story, said the sultana. I quite feel myself in the kitchen with the matches. Yes, now you shall marry our daughter. Yes, indeed, said the sultan. You shall marry our daughter on Monday. And they treated the young man as one of the family. The wedding was arranged, and the night before the whole town was illuminated. Biscuits and gingerbreads were thrown among the people. The street boys stood on tiptoes, crying hurrah and whistling through their fingers. It was all so splendid. Now I must give them a rare treat, thought the merchant's son. And so he sold the sword that his wife-to-be had given him, and with the money he received he bought rockets and crackers and all kinds of fireworks that you can think of. He put them in his trunk and flew up into the air with them. Crash! Bang! How they fizzed and blazed! The spectators jumped so high that their slippers flew above their heads. Such a splendid glitter they'd never seen before. Now they could quite well understand that it was the god of Sandia himself who was to marry the princess. As soon as the young merchant came down again and into the woods, he thought, No, I will just go to the town and see how the show was taken. It was quite natural that he should want to do this. Oh, the stories that people had to tell! Each one who he asked had seen it differently, but they all found it beautiful. I saw the Sandian god himself, said one. He had eyes like glittering stars and a beard like foaming water. He flew away in a cloak of fire, said another. They were splendid things that he heard. The next day was to be his wedding. He went back to the woods to sit in his trunk, ready to fly up and marry his bride. But what had become of it? The trunk had been burned. Sparks from the fireworks had set it alight, and the trunk was in ashes. He could no longer fly, and he would never reach his bride. She stood the whole day long on the roof and waited. Perhaps she is waiting there still. He may have lost his chance at a wife, but he had realised his true talent, and so he wandered through the world and told his stories, though none were as merry as the one he told about the matches. The end. Wasn't that a lovely story? So many twists and turns, it's unbelievable. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, guys. And would you please like, share, and subscribe for more story time with Sammy. Bye, guys.